Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, January the 2nd, 2022. Almost said 2021. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, January the 2nd, 2022. It is currently 3.26 p.m. Central Time, and you know where I am. I'm here in the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church, located right here in Ovalo, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have a lot to do. Now, if you are a member of the Theology Central Book Club, you just received a notification about 10 minutes ago of a new book that I've added to the Theology Central Book Club. So you can go ahead and take a look and you'll have a link and you can look at all the information that I'm about to talk about. If you are a part of the Theology Central Discord channel, well, earlier this morning, you received a notification that I just did a post in the Discord channel. In fact, I was here in the sanctuary. It wasn't empty at that time. There was actually people here. And it was in between Sunday school and the Sunday morning worship service, and I got a notification on my iPad, a a news article. See, where's this news article from? See if I can even find it. Um, This came from uh, Yahoo News. No, actually, it comes from Fox News that Yahoo News picked up, all right? And the the news article was released at 7.06 a.m. this morning. I don't know. I I got the notification somewhere between... um, well, sometime between 11 and 11.15 a.m. this morning is when I got the notification. And as soon as I saw this news article, well, I posted it in the Discord channel saying, hey, this, this, is, this book is getting a lot of attention. Here you go. So if you're a part of the Theology Central Book Club, you've got the notification about the book. If you're a part of the Discord channel, you got the notification this morning saying, hey, Here's this book everyone's talking about. And immediately people within the Discord channel started posting some different things about the book. And I'm going to rely on their research for this episode. But as you can probably tell now, I'm going to tell you about a book that's getting some attention today that obviously Fox News is talking about it. Yahoo News has picked up the story. And uh, well, we need to talk about it. And you need to, well, maybe you, you at least need to be made aware of it just in case you hear discussions about it. You at least will have some information and some basic knowledge so that you'll know what people are talking about. I don't know if this is going to become, I, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm, I'm a little confused because for some reason, we're January the 2nd, 2022. The book was actually published in 2021, I believe. Uh, maybe even 2020, if we if we probably chase the origins of the book down. Maybe, who knows, maybe even before that. Um, but for some reason, it's getting talked about today. But I like to keep you informed about what's going on, so that's what we're going to do. So if you're not a member of the Theology Central Book Club, go to theologycentral.net, look at the menu, you'll see something for the Theology Book Club. You follow the link, it's free. You don't have to ever buy anything. It just It's an easy way for me to say, hey, here's a book I'm going to be talking about. Hey, here's a book you need to know about. And it's not, it's not whether I agree or disagree with the book. It's just books that I think you need to be made aware of. And you can look at the information never have to do anything. If you do buy the books, I do not get any money at all. No, no money comes to me. It's just an, another way of, of, well, staying in contact with you and informing you of what's going on. If you want to be a, a part of the Theology Central Discord channel, just email me, newsif at yahoo.com, 
newsif at yahoo.com and just say Discord channel and I will send you the link. And then you download the Discord app, you'll follow the link, and then you'll be a part of the Theology Central uh, discussion group. And you can then, well, you can find out when I'm talking about certain things. You, you can you can give me your thoughts or you can help be a part of the Theology Central research team because the research team is it's a highly paid position, let me tell you. To be a part of the Theology Central research group, it requires simply a willingness to do research and a desire for absolutely no money or recognition. Okay, that that's no, it's just people who help me out. So when I posted about the book this morning, uh, well, someone started doing some research and said, "Hey, here's what some of the reviews are saying, and here's here's what I kind of think the perspective of the book is." And uh, well, I'm going to share that with everyone as well. So are you ready? All right, here, here's how it all started. So I'm sitting in church, standing in church to be exact. I get a, a, a notification and it says Christians, the notification read something like this. Christians point to genetics breakthroughs to show Adam and Eve. That, that's all I read in the notification. Something like Christians point to genetics breakthroughs to show Adam and Eve. And I'm like, wait, was there some genetic breakthrough in the last few days that I wasn't aware of? What genetic breakthroughs are they talking about? How does this relate to Adam and Eve? And so I opened the article and then this was the full headline. Christians point to genetics breakthroughs to show Adam and Eve are not incompatible with evolution. Now, let me just stop right here, all right? Now, I'm going to take a position here that's not going to be very popular, okay? But I just need you to hear me out. As a Christian, if we hold to the idea that Scripture is the sole authority, like we believe in sola scriptura, Scripture is the final authority, and all of our beliefs are taken from Scripture. In other words, we go to the Scriptures, we read them, we study them, we figure out what the text says by the words that are being used by its historical context, its textual context, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's the way we figure out what to believe is based off scripture alone. Then we don't really, this is very important. We are not moved or bothered by what anything in the culture is saying or what they claim. In other words, we're like, here's the word of God. This is what it says. I believe this to be true. This is what I believe. It doesn't mean we are hostile necessarily to what the world is saying. They can do their research. They can make their claims, but we're going to stand with the word of God. I, I, I may have to learn what the world is saying to pass a test in school. That's okay because I'm there just to master the subject. But as far as my belief system, my theology, it's the word of God. And I feel that sometimes when it comes to evolution or some scientific claims, Christians feel some need to try to, okay, we've got to, we got to make these compatible. We've got to somehow reconcile this. Scientists, science is saying this, scripture is saying this, and we've got to somehow demonstrate that the two are not incompatible. They are compatible. There, there's some way to bring them together. And I don't know why we feel the need to do that. Why do we feel the need? We've got, we've got to find a way to make this work. There, there is no reason to try to make it work. 
I'm going to learn what the what the world is saying in science. So like if I'm in a university, okay, if they're going to teach the evolutionary, I'm going to learn the evolutionary theory. I'm going to master the curriculum. I'm going to pass the test. I'm going to write papers demonstrating I understand their theory and their perspective to the best of my ability, right? Because that's what they are teaching. I'm not there to try to convince them of the biblical worldview as far as a classroom setting. That's not, no, I'm, I'm going to school to learn what they are teaching. Now, I may walk away disagreeing, but I, I want to know their perspective. And then I study the word of God. If the two are not an agreement, I don't then run to the word of God and go, okay, maybe if we modify this and maybe if we change this and maybe if we say, well, that's not really what the scriptures are saying. Why do we feel the need to try to make them compatible? I think all of the attempts to do that typically end up, this is very important, almost always call for some kind of changing or manipulating or corrupting the biblical text, it almost requires, well, the Bible seems to indicate this, but it can't really mean that because, well, science says, well, the Bible can't really mean that because science says, and so then we have to run around and like run to the laboratory and then take all of the biblical text and say, okay, if we run it through this form of hermeneutics, we can come to something that would agree with science. I don't know why we feel the need to do that. We don't have to do that. We're like, here's what the word of God, all we have to do is determine what does the word of God say? This is what it says. This is what we believe. Science disagrees. The two worldviews are completely opposite of one another. And that's okay. That's okay. I learn what the world says. Here's my biblical view. And I realize that they're incompatible. And maybe at some point in time, maybe that will change. But it, we, it, the, them being incompatible should not be changed or fixed by us changing the text of Scripture, manipulating the Scripture in order to try to make them agree. It, it just it should not work that way. And we should never do anything like that. And there's been too many attempts in church history to go, well, okay, they say that creation was this many years ago. The Bible would indicate that maybe it's earlier. Okay, so well, maybe a day doesn't mean day. Well, because so maybe a day actually represents, you know, a hundred thousand. And you just start playing all of these games and imposing things on the text that there's no way you can make the text read that way. It just, it just falls completely and utterly apart. And once you start playing the games with the text and areas that may have something to do with creation or the age of the earth, et cetera, et cetera. Well, then why wouldn't you play those same games and other passages that don't have anything to do with evolution or creation, but they use terms like day or year. Just, just start messing with everything in the Bible. And it just, to me, it opens the door for uh, corruption and hermeneutics. Figure out what the Bible says based off good hermeneutics, good understanding of linguistics, of, of context, figure out, say, that's what I believe, and here's what the world is saying. Understand both. Hold on to the word of God as your belief system. If you need to master the other to, in order to get a degree, fine. And then you just wait and let things fix themselves in the end. There's no way to just, there's just no way in many cases to try to make them compatible. So here we have another attempt to try to argue that Adam and Eve are not incompatible with evolution, and this time someone is going to turn to the world of genetics to try to prove 
this. Again, this article was published today at 7.06 a.m. Here's the article. Many Christians have rejected the scientific theory of evolution in part because they think it rules out the existence of a historical Adam and Eve. This is my approach. It's not about rejecting it. It's not even, it, it, it's, to me, it's about what does the word of God say? I, I don't care what evolutionary theory says first. I read the story of creation. I read what God says about creation in Genesis 1 and 2, how God refers to creation and other parts of the Bible. I put all of that together and say, here's the biblical teaching. Here's what I believe. I then say, go to a university. I'm sitting in a science class. They say this about evolution and how everything began. All right. I re- I, it's not even about rejecting. I don't, I'm like, okay, that's the world's view. It, the world is operating from a materialistic, no God perspective. So they're not going to even and think about God being involved in their perspective. Okay, th- thank you. That's your perspective. I understand your perspective. I can pass the test on your perspective. I can write papers demonstrating I've understood and mastered your perspective. And my belief, I reject it. So it's not even about, well, I've got to reject it because that that causes problems with Adam and Eve. My rejection is based off it being not in agreement with the word of God. It's just, it's that simple. What does the scripture say? That That doesn't work with the scriptures. So therefore, I'm going to hold on to the scriptures. But they go on. Many Christians have rejected the scientific theory of evolution in part because they think it rules out the existence of a historical Adam and Eve. Yet some scientists and theologians argue that recent breakthroughs in genetics make a historical Adam and Eve compatible with evolution and that this development may bridge uh, what many see as a conflict between faith and science. Oh, so, so supposedly now we, we have a way because of breakthroughs and genetics that we can show that Adam and Eve is compatible with evolution, that somehow you can have evolution and still end up with Adam and Eve. And voila, that's great. Now, listen, I'm not even worried about this from a scientific perspective. My issue is, can I bring in evolution and make evolution compatible with scripture. A lot of Christians say you can, but every attempt I see literally destroys any meaningful hermeneutics of the Bible. Let me state it again. If you come along and you say, okay, look, 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 there's evolution. Let's, okay, here we go. We're going to find a way. We're going to find a way to make the Bible compatible with evolution. If you then take that manipulating of the text and you follow that same kind of reasoning through the rest of the Bible, I think you destroy everything in the Bible and being correctly understood in any literal, historical way. It it just turns the Bible into Plato. And every time I've seen someone, they'll go off to university, they'll learn science, and they'll be like, wow, all of this is not in agreement with the Bible. So either one, they abandon Christianity to hold to the religion of science, or they start manipulating and changing the Bible to make the Bible compatible with science. And I don't understand. There's no need to make it compatible. They are making, their entire basis is different than Christianity. They're coming at it from a materialistic, atheistic worldview. How are you going to 
make a theistic supernatural worldview compatible with an atheistic materialistic worldview. The two are incompatible at their very origins, at their at the at the most fundamental level. Why do we feel like we have to go, oh, we've got to make these work? Okay, wait. So we we can we can believe in Adam and Eve and evolution. All right, let's do that. Why? I, I don't understand the motivation other than like, we don't want to look stupid. We don't want them to look down upon us. They, there's nothing for them to look down upon. Okay, I, I, I understand your system. I understand your theory. I understand your hypothesis. I, believe, I understand you believe it to be factual. Fine. Let me demonstrate to you I understand it. Let me demonstrate to you that I've mastered the material. I can pass any test. Great. I just won't, can't accept it in my th- theology and in my belief system. And I don't feel the need to try to make them work together. All right, but here we go. So according to this, recent breakthroughs in genetics make a historical Adam and Eve compatible with evolution and that this development may help bridge what many see as a conflict between faith and science. For over 160 years, the societal conflict over evolution has been deep and stubborn. But now, in a surprise twist, evolutionary science is making space for Adam and Eve. S. Joshua Swamidas, I think is how you would say his name, an associate professor, if I'm saying his name wrong, I, I, I apologize, but it is swell, spelled S-W-A-M, there's the swam, I-D-A-S-S, Swamidas, Swamidas, I don't know, an associate professor at the Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis, Missouri, told Fox News Digital, and this is what he says, it turns out that the theological questions are about genealogical ancestry, not genetics. In this paradigm shift, we are finding a better way forward, a better story to tell. So according to this, that, that now evolutionary science is making space for Adam and Eve. And the whole issue is that what, we're re- that what the- theological questions are, are really are about genealogical ancestry, not genetics. And that this is a paradigm shift. And now we have a, a better way to tell the story. We have a better story to tell. I, I, I'm, I'm a skeptical here. And again, I just don't feel that it's necessary to do this. I just, like, here's what the Bible teaches. This is what science teaches. Two different worldviews, two different perspectives. One includes God, one excludes God. Under, as a Christian, your job is to understand both. But you, 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 for school, you learn this perspective, but you always remember that you are created in the image of God. Therefore, God determines morality and purpose, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But let's, let's see what else they have to say. In his book, now here's the name of the book, The Genealogical Adam and Eve, The Surprising Science of Universal Ancestry. So the name of the book, The Genealogical Adam and Eve, The Surprising Science of Universal Ancestry. The Genealogical Adam and Eve, the surprising science of universal ancestry. 
The book is available. Again, I've already added it to the Theology Central Book Club. You can see it that way. I've posted a link uh, to the book or for the Amazon page for the book and the uh, Discord channel. And then you can look it up yourself and you can see why, why, why is everyone talking about this book? So uh, Swamidas argues that genetics and evolutionary theory do not conflict with the existence of Adam and Eve, universal ancestors of all humans whom Jesus died to save. He says, look, there, there's no conflict here. There's no conflict. Now, I will argue, if you say there's no conflict, I will only agree that there's no conflict if your solution does not ultimately destroy a meaningful hermeneutic to understand the scriptures. If I have to start manipulating and twisting, then I'm not going to accept it in any way, shape, or form because I, I, don't, I don't have to try. It's like everyone's telling you, we've got to reconcile the two. We've got to reconcile. No, we don't have to reconcile anything. We profess, this is what God's word says. Yes, yes, but science doesn't agree. Why would it? It's operating from a materialistic, atheistic perspective. We're operating from a theistic, supernatural perspective. I, it's not my job to try to make the two fit. Learn both. I believe the truth is God's word. I, I know that's not, that's not satisfying to some people, but that's okay. All right, here we go. Modern genetics only captures a small sliver of the story of human ancestry, Swamidas writes. While your parents are both 100% your parents, you only get roughly 50% of your DNA from each of them and only about 25% of your DNA from your grandparents. As you go far farther back, you, are more, uh, you have more genealogical ancestors who each contribute less and less to your DNA. While universal genetic ancestors are rare, universal genealogical ancestors are... So okay, now let me read this again. All right, it's, it's important. While universal genetic ancestors are rare, universal genealogical ancestors are surprisingly common. So genetic ancestors are rare. Genealogical ancestors are surprisingly common. The author noted, each individual has four grandparents, eight great-grandparents, and so on. But population size in past generations tends to get smaller, so overlap is inevitable. He argues that by 1 AD, every person on earth was descended from Adam and Eve. Swamidas' model of a genealogical Adam and Eve claims that biological humans may still share a common ancestor with apes, according to the theory of evolution, but God could have created Adam and Eve from the dust and a rib without parents, and these two became the ancestors of all humans by 1 AD, Swamidas claims, that Genesis appears to require a biological, to require biological humans outside of Adam and Eve's family line because after Cain murders Abel and leaves his parents, he fears that he will be killed. He acquires a wife and he builds a city. Now, what it sounds like is that we have like an evolutionary, okay, think of it this way. We really have, in a sense, two stories. 
kind of an evolutionary story. And then God creates Adam and Eve. And then we have a lot, then everyone, we, we almost have an evolutionary thing going on. And then we have Adam and Eve placed in the story. And then we can trace our, that our origins back to Adam and Eve, even though there was an evolutionary story going on at the same time. So you have evolution was happening, but then you have Adam and Eve as well. Now, there's lots of issues with this for evolution to be continue for going for evolution to continue or for even evolution to occur. What do you have to have? You have to have constant life and death, life, death, and mutations, life or life. We could, we could call it life, death, mutations, reproduction. Now you, in other words, you have to have all of these things going on and for them to be mutations and death. How do you have that before sin? Because is, didn't death arise as a result of sin? If you look at the biblical text and that seems what to be the biblical text states. So then you have, again, what are you going to have to start changing? The biblical text. That's where that's where this compromise always leads to. Okay, okay, we've got to reconcile this. So, so we can have evolution, we can have millions of years, we can have death, we can have mutations, we can have reproduction, we can have all of this going on prior to sin entering the world. That to me does great damage to the scriptures. Um most readers of Genesis understood Adam and Eve to be, number one, ancestors of us all, two, miraculously created without parents of their own. Swamidas told Fox News Digital, in contrast, evolution teaches that we share a common ancestor with apes and we arise from a large population, not a single couple. This conflict of fact only seems solvable by revising foundational Christian theological beliefs or by rejecting evolution. So he says, in the the past, it seems like you only had two options. Uh, Revise Christian theology or reject evolution. But now, according to this individual, clearing up some big scientific understandings, we now, we know that all four of these things can be true at the same time, Swamidas said. Even if Adam and Eve lived as recently as just 6,000 years, they would be the genealogical ancestors of everyone across the globe by AD 1. They could have been created from the dust and a rib. Of course, at the same time, we would also descend from people outside of the garden, others whom God created by a providentially governed process of evolution. So you can have theistic evolution, God produced it and governed it. So you have evolution going on and then God miraculously steps in and creates Adam and Eve. And so then by 1 AD, we've all descended from Adam and Eve and whatever other thing that was happening before, in a sense, is replaced by the genealogical ancestor of Adam and Eve. So you really have two concepts. Again, I I don't even know how many times I can say this. You then have death occurring before sin. That to me is the theological problem. If you have death occurring before sin, then sin did not bring death into the world. And if sin didn't bring death into the world, <laughs> then, then what, 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 what did sin do? Um, all right, hang on. I got to go back here and see if, is there anything else said here in the article? Um, 
The, the model has already made waves in theological and scientific circles. Uh, the BioLogos Foundation, a Christian nonprofit founded by N, uh, NIH director Francis Collins that embraces the scientific theory of evolution, appears to have reversed its position on Adam and Eve, deleting articles claiming that genetics ruled out a historical Adam and Eve and posting articles that echo Swamidas' model. BioLagos did not respond to Fox News digital request for comment on the matter. I don't know why they would just delete it and then put new articles. Why would you keep the old articles and say, hey, we've had a change in our perspective and here's the old articles and now here's the new articles, but okay. William Lane Craig, a Christian philosopher and professor at Houston Baptist University and Biola University's Talbot School of Theology, published the book and Question of the Historical Adam a biblical and scientific exploration in September. His book echoes Swamidas' arguments, although he places Adam and Eve further back in history. Reasons to Believe, a Christian nonprofit dedicated to blending faith and science in a way that questions evolution but embraces an old earth, published a book in 2020 in which the author wrote that Swamidas' model provides a way for biblical interpretations of a historical Adam and Eve, understood as universal genealogical ancestors. If I said geological, I apologize. Genealogical ancestors of all humanity living at the time of Christ and today to be reconciled with mainstream evolutionary science. Michael Murray, a Christian philosopher and professor at Franklin and Marshall College, recently said at an evangelical conference that due to the work of Swamidas, Craig, and others, we have arrived at the point where we can confidently affirm that the basic evolutionary story is not the threat to Christian orthodoxy that we once feared and not because we had to compromise on orthodoxy. My view is that the recent findings in genetics and paleontology have shown that our best scientific theories and data do not rule out a historic Adam and Eve, Murray told Fox News Digital. He said the developments do not make Adam and Eve more or less likely, but they do show that for all we know, there might have been a pair that is the ancestor of all extant humans or extant Homo sapiens. Murray noted that there was an emerging consensus among both secular science and scientists of faith that the relevant and empirical data was flatly inconsistent with an ancestral pair. Yet these recent developments have shown that an ancestral pair is not flatly ruled out as was previously thought. Nathan Lentz, a secular professor of biology at John Jay College, told Fox News that recent developments have made Adam and Eve more plausible. I just want to stop right here. Wait. So in the past, we're running around going, wait, we got to try this. We got to try this. We got to try this because science says an Adam and Eve is not plausible. And now all of a sudden science is going, well, an Adam and Eve may be plausible. See, why were we running around trying to reconcile things? Why were we trying to figure it? All we have to do is just say, this is the word of God. This is what it claims. We don't have to be intimidated. We don't have to be motivated to try to reconcile it. I don't think there's any easy way of, the only way to reconcile always requires compromise on the side of theology. 
And it always weird how it works, right? It's not like the secular world's going to go like, well, we're willing to compromise a little bit so that we can have an Adam and Eve. We can have a global flood. We can have Noah's Ark. Uh, No, they're not willing to make any compromise. So why do we compromise? We say, this is what the word, and God created Adam and Eve. This is the way he created them. They fall. As a result of fall, death enters into the world. As a result of the fall, all of creation is impacted. That's what scripture teaches. Well, well, we believe that there was death and suffering and mutations happening for millions of years before an Adam and Eve. Okay, well, we can't agree. I will learn your perspective. I will pass the test, but we do not agree. So now they're like, but see, now science says there's, there's a possibility there was an Adam and Eve. Well, yet maintaining the evolutionary concept leading up to that. I don't don't know how we we see this as somehow a victory. I would say, this this is secular professor of biology at John Jay College. I would not say that there is any evidence, historical or scientific, in favor of the existence of Adam and Eve, as they are presented in the Bible, Lent said. However, there have been developments in our understanding of ancestry and genetics that allow for the possibility of universal ancestors of the entire human population in the surprisingly recent past. So, okay, I can't, he's not willing to go so far to say that Adam and Eve, but he's saying now that he believes that there's a possibility that we have universal ancestors for the entire human population and it happened in the recent past. Well, that, that sounds like Adam and Eve. Please note, all of those attempts to reconcile it in the past, now we're like, okay, well, see, now now we only have to do a little bit of reconciling. The point is, why did we ever try to reconcile in the first place? He noted that there are important caveats about the possibility of universal ancestors, such as isolated populations and about the impact of this new model that's being talked about. Um, It does not involve... uh, Okay, now, now wait a minute. He goes on to say it, that this does not involve the idea of the entire human race from just two people. So it sounds like he's not willing to go all the way that far. Many Christians disagree with the model. However, according to Gallup, 40% of Americans say God created man in his present form and between 38% and 66% of white evangelical Protestants say the same according to the Pew Research Center. Uh, Fazel... Rana, vice president of research and apologetics at RTB, told Fox News Digital that the models of Swamidas and Craig both suffer from theological problems despite their agreement with mainstream science. Rana said that since the models do not consider Adam and Eve the sole progenitors of humanity, they they potentially put key Christian doctrines such as human exceptionalism, exceptionalism, the fall, original sin, and the atonement in harm's way. Exactly what I just said. Trying, even trying to come up with this idea, wait, 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 we can get an Adam and Eve here. We can get two people who are basically, everyone can be related to them. Even if you try to find a way to get that, it's still requiring this other evolutionary concepts that ultimately destroy, well, the, the fall, original sin, and all of these other issues. Dr. Nathaniel Jensen 
A Christian biologist with the Young Earth Creationist Organization Answers in Genesis told Fox News Digital that Swamidas' definition of Adam and Eve is almost unrecognizable from a Young Earth perspective. It's essentially the mainstream model with an undetectable, supernaturally created pair inserted at some point. So what this book is really saying is, hey, hey, we think we can, we can insert two people right here, right there, here. We can insert them. They're not really connected or even look anything like the Adam and Eve of the Bible. But here we are. And then by 1 AD, everyone can, is related to them. Everyone came in some way, shape, or form is connected to them. See, so that, that's like Adam and Eve. So we've reconciled it. No, 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 it, it's, not that, it's not that simple. Jensen said that his forthcoming book, Traced, Human DNA's Big Surprise, uses the same developments in genetics to show that the DNA history of mankind makes sense from a young earth perspective, making and examining testable predictions. Yet even Rana and Jensen admitted that this new model may decrease the public perception of a conflict between science and religion. It may soften the antagonism on the part of the evolutionary community, Jensen said. Rana described these developments as good for the church because they offer models that that preserve the biblical narrative of human origins for those people who are persuaded by evidence for human evolution. Yet he suggested that this new model will have little or no impact in the scientific community because they do not offer anything that distinguishes them from materialistic evolutionary models. Of course, it's not going to have an impact. If you hold to a materialistic evolutionary idea and then you just assume that, okay, but at some point these two two people show up and everyone's related to them and yet you can keep that going within your materialistic idea, it's not going to change anything. The Christian perspective, the biblical perspective is not a materialistic one. It's a supernatural one. It's one based off with the word of God and there's no way to ever get around that. The secular lens noted that science and Christianity have been pitted against each other unnecessarily. Conflicts over evolution have bred mistrust on both sides that has bled into other issues like skepticism about vaccines. When Christians and evolutionary science find harmony and common ground or at least a peaceful truce, we can build trust and begin to work together on matters that threaten the health, safety, and flourishing of us all. Lentz said, for this reason, I applaud the work that Christian scientists are doing to bring greater acceptance and understanding of science into their communities. We need not, we need not to be at war with each other. Ken Keithley, a theology professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, said that the efforts of Swamidas, Craig, and others have been very fruitful. Was it, one does not have to agree with every assertion or conclusion made by Swamidas, Greg, Rana, Ross, to appreciate the advances in thinking. Taken together, the work being done by these scholars demonstrate that there is no inherent conflict between faith and science. Now, once again, sorry, I had to cough really quick. I I know I have to keep stressing this. I hate when they say, hey, wait, there's no conflict conflict between faith and science. There's always going to be conflict between faith and science 
if the science is predominantly operating from a materialistic, atheistic perspective. There, there's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be. It's, it's wonderful when science makes some claims and we're like, look, see those claims over there? They claim that there could be two people that came in, you know, in, into history and a somewhat recent past and that by 1 AD, everyone was associated with them. See, that's Adam and Eve. Well, you, you can try to make that claim. Just remember what they're putting forth is not Adam and Eve because they're still holding to a very evolutionary model. What you can say is, wait a minute, isn't that interesting? That sounds a little bit like Adam and Eve. Maybe science will continue to move in that direction and it will become more and more obvious that maybe the Bible was right after all. But we don't need to go, okay, now, look, they've given us an inch. Now let's go in and compromise some more so that we can then be in agreement with them. It always requires the corruption of biblical hermeneutics. That's what Christians have to wake up and realize. And that's the problem. Um, Murray noted that the scientific community and the conservative Christian theological community were increasingly polarized on the issue of ancestral human pair. But thanks to this new mo- these new models, this standoff has now been diffused. While some scientists might think that the scenarios that involve belief in an ancestral pair are implausible, we've gotten past the point of scientists arguing that the traditional view is impossible. Somadas told Fox News Digital that in making space for Adam and Eve, Secular scientists have an opportunity to offer an olive branch to religious communities. I'm encouraged to see that many religious leaders, such as Ken Keithley from the SBC, William Lane Craig, and uh, President Hugh Ross from RTB, have been eager to take the olive, olive branch. For those seeking to advance science in a fractured society, this is very good news indeed. I don't think it's very good news. The Christian world will take the olive branch and then continue to sacrifice the basic teaching of Scripture in order to get along with secular science. I, I don't know how why we would do that. For, for the biblical model to work, you have to have God, a supernatural creation of everything, including Adam and Eve, whom he created in his image. Everything was very good. There was no death. There was no disease. There was no suffering. There was no mutations going on. There was no evolution going on. Then Adam and Eve sin, and then death and sickness, disease enters into the world. Everything in creation is impacted by it. Now, not everything is very good. Now there is death. Now there is suffering. Now there is original sin. That is, anything other than that is not biblical Christianity and we do not compromise with it. Now, I'm not, again, I I don't understand. I've never understood the conflict, right? Okay, I go into school. This is their teaching. Okay, I'm not expecting to get a biblical teaching because I'm in a public school, Right? I'm expecting them to give me the latest understanding, hopefully the most up-to-date, latest understanding of the scientific community at that time, whether it's in biology, geology, whatever science class that I'm taking. And then what I want to do is master that subject, understand that subject, pass the test, and then if I want to pursue 
advanced degrees in that subject. I've got that good educational foundation to stand on. And then I learn that perspective. But at the same time, I'm increasingly my understanding of the biblical text and what it says about creation and what it says about sin and what it says about redemption and what it says about the nature of man. And I understand man is not being basically good, but being totally depraved. And I, and I understand that. And the reason I don't see the problem is I don't expect the world to be seeing things from a theological perspective. I expect them to see things from an atheistic, materialistic perspective. I believe that their view of man is going to be completely contrary to the word of God. And I, every, and again, every attempt to reconcile always creates problems. The whole gap theory that you have Genesis 1-1, that's the original creation. Then there's a cataclysmic judgment that occurs upon all the earth between Genesis 1-1 and then Genesis 1-2. And within that gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, right? Chapter 1, verse 1 and chapter 1, verse 2, there's a gap supposedly in between there. They'll say that there millions of years can be imposed right there. And that will explain away all of the geological ages, so all of those millions and years, it happened between 1-1 and 1-2. And then in 1-2, you have the recreation of everything. And then that occurs in a short period of time. So you have the millions of years before. You have a creation before. That gives you millions and millions, billions of years. Ever how long you need. Then starting in Genesis 1-2, you have a new creation. And then that, well, now you have judgment and sin and death before again Adam and Eve. And not only that, just trying to make the whole gap theory works requires some major ripping verses out of context. But the whole reason the gap theory came about was once again to try to reconcile the Bible with all of the geological ages that are being taught in science. Why did we try to reconcile? Why? there, There is no way of reconciling it. There should be no attempt. What does the Bible teach? Let's study it. All right, let's look at the Hebrew. Let's look at the context. Let's look at language. Let's look at other verses. Here's what the Bible teaches. Okay, now I'm going to science class. Okay, give me your best materialistic, atheistic understanding of science. Great, got it. All right, now I proceed forward and whatever area of science I'm going to go, understanding that this is what this teaches, this is what this teaches, and then I move forward with those two ideas in my mind, realizing for at least for school purposes, I've got to answer it this way in order to pass the test and to do well. Now, once I reach a certain level of my educational career, then maybe I can write a doctrinal thesis challenging that other perspective perspective or calling into question or demonstrating weaknesses of that other perspective or whatever I'm going to do in my career. But it just seems like it's just a, I just think that every time we, we take the olive branch or we like, Oh, look, 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 this is going to prove it. It just usually is another step in compromising biblical theology. That is my perspective. You can tell me yours again, the name of the book. Let's go up here. By all means, read the book. It clearly looks like that they they go with these kind of trying to maintain two concepts in my mind. But the book is called The Genealogical Adam and Eve, The Surprising Science of Universal Ancestry. And the name of the author is Joshua or S. Joshua 
S-W-A-M-I-D-A-S, Swamidas, or Swamidas, uh, however you want to say his name, last name. Look at the book. I, I, I was, I was going to pull up more information. I was going to share some of the things that have been shared in the uh, uh, Okay, and there's there's a lot of discussions going on here. Someone said, let's see here. Um, okay, this is uh, what someone said at one uh, twenty nine p.m. in the Discord, the Theology Central Discord group. Um, it sounds like old Earth and created Adam and Eve, something like that. In other words, that they they were just trying to read some of the reviews and like, okay, so the book is kind of putting forth you got the old Earth millions of years idea, yet you have kind of an Adam and Eve who show up at some point. Like maybe there were even previous humans. Dr. Swamidas, uh, and then they, they give some quotes here. This is a quote, uh, demonstrates how a traditional faithful reading of Genesis and a recent specially created Adam and Eve can coexist with modern theories of biological evolution. See, it's trying to give you both your cake, the, the icing and the cake, right? You, you can have the cake and you can eat it too. You know, how, whatever illustration you want to use, they want to be able to give you both. See, you can have Adam and Eve and you can have evolution. You can have Adam and Eve and you can have billions of years. This is a great time in science. You can have everything. Everyone will be happy. Materialistic atheists will be happy and theistic Christians will be happy. Everyone will be happy. Yeah, no, what ultimately it does, you compromise scripture is what you ultimately says. Another review says this, his big idea seems to be that God created two parallel parallel streams of humanity. The first stream arose through evolutionary process from antiquity and the second through and more recent uh, creation of Adam and Eve within in the Garden of Eden. So that, that that's, again, it's this, you can have both. You can have both and everyone should be happy and Another, another quotes page 102 from the book. He further states that the age of Adam depends on how one defines human. If we mean homo sapiens, we arise sometime between 100,000 and 350,000 years ago. If we mean the genus homo, we arise sometime between 2.5 and 1.8 million years ago. And then they ask, is this similar to the direction William Lane Craig went in his work on this? And yes, it seems to be very much in line with William Lane Craig, which again, I I just think, I don't understand. Just there's the Bible, figure out what the Bible says. And it's like, no, okay, the Bible seems to say this, but science says this. Oh no, what do we do? Oh no, wring my hand. I don't know what to do. We got to make this work. We got to make the, we need to figure out billions of years. We got to figure out evolution. Oh, and yet we've got to have Adam and Eve and we got to have a young earth. How can, oh, we can figure out both. And it's like, I don't understand that desire. I just, I don't understand that desire. I know I'm going to get everyone upset with me. My, my, my thing is just figure out what the Bible says. Okay. This is what the Bible says. Well, the science says that, well, looks like we're never going to agree. Sorry, I don't think we're going to be very compatible. I have irreconcilable differences. No need to fight. I believe in God. You reject God. I include God in creation. You exclude God from creation. I believe God is creator. I believe Adam and Eve were the first people created in the image of God. And then they sinned, which brought in death and destruction in the world. And I understand death and destruction as being a result of sin. 
I don't believe death and destruction is a result of an evolutionary process started by God. I believe it's a result of sin. That, that's a, a radically different approach. There we go. So, um, I, I do think it's cool. I, I, will, I will end with this. I do think it's cool that maybe now secular science has gone, well, we, we could have two people that everyone's related to. We could. It's, it's possible that we had some kind of evolutionary thing and then somehow these two individuals are introduced, this, this, these two, this couple, and then everyone is kind of related to them. I think that's cool. I think that's awesome. I got no problem learning about it because it does kind of say, well, that, does that kind of sound like Adam and Eve? Just make sure you realize, even if it sounds like Adam and Eve, it's a billion light years away, a zillion light years away from actual, the biblical Adam and Eve. It's just a familiar concept. It's a similar concept. It's not saying the same thing. And for you to go, well, see, now I can embrace that and it's all reconciled. No, you're, you're going you're gonna to corrupt the biblical teaching. All right. You can let me know what you think. Newsif at yahoo.com newsif at yahoo.com. Check out the book. Um, You can find it with the Theology Central Book Club. That's an easy way to find it. Just go to theologycentral.net and join the book club. If you're a part of the Discord channel, well, you you can see all the discussions currently going on here. There's been a number of posts starting at 3.20 p.m., 3.26, 3.39, 3.50, and the most recent was uh, a little less than 19 minutes ago. So there is discussion going on currently in the Discord Theology Central uh, chat group, which is what I want. I, I like that back and forth in that discussion. But I, yeah, I spent 53 minutes on this. <laughs> I just wanted to turn on the microphone and say, hey, guys, here's this book. Go check it out. But then I had to start offering all of my thoughts and perspective. My, my, my feelings on this have, has changed dramatically, I think, over the years and how I think maybe there was a time, we've got to convince these evolutionists that they're wrong. And I think now it's more, I, I, kind, of, I kind of have a different approach. I'll, 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 I guess I'll end with this. I'll never forget sitting on the steps of First Baptist Church, Tuscola, Texas. It was me, the pastor, a number of uh, young people uh, from the church. I think it was like a Wednesday night. And someone was talking about that in science class, they had to write a paper. And basically, or maybe it was a test. And they ended up getting an F because basically all they did on the test was like, nope, I believe, uh, I believe God created uh, the heavens. Or the earth. Nope, I believe. And it's like all, all they did, they, instead of answering the questions as would be required to pass the class and to demonstrate that you mastered the subject, they wanted to turn it into, I'm going to tell the teacher that all of these answers are wrong because I don't agree with the Bible. And like the pastor was like, you did good. You stood up for Jesus. You were a witness. And I, and I kind of looked at it like, what were you, what were you accomplishing? You didn't go to class and learn Genesis one, two, and three. That's not what was taught in that science class. The test was to demonstrate that you understood what was taught in class. Just demonstrate what you taught. Just demonstrate that you understood what was taught in class. Just answer the questions. It's not saying, what do you, if the question says, what do you believe? And if you believe anything different than was taught in the class, I'm going to fail you. Okay, now, now, now let's fight. Now let's fight. But no, it's just to say, here's what was taught in the class. Now you're going to demonstrate that you mastered it and you understood it. 
Just demonstrate that you mastered it. Get the A. Move on. They say, well, well I've, got a, I've got a witness to my science teacher. Well, then ask to meet with your science teacher at McDonald's on a Saturday or at a coffee house on a Friday night and you and, you and your science teacher can have an in-depth discussion about evolution versus the Bible. But I, I, I've learned a, a kind of an interesting concept. Trying to convince someone who already rejects God about the truthfulness of creation is kind of the wrong, like you've got to first, they have to first be brought to faith in God before you can then explain that God is creator. Now, I know there are some people who hear maybe a scientific explanation of of, of creation, and they're like, okay, now I can become a Christian. I know that there's those stories that happen that way, but typically a person's got to be brought to faith in God, and then that faith leads them to accept Genesis 1, 2, and 3. It's going to be very hard to get someone to accept Genesis before they first come to faith in the creator themselves. But I just, sometimes I think we, we, we find ourselves in these fights and I just don't understand the fight. I'm like, what are you going to accomplish? I'm going to stand up to my science teacher and I'm going to, what? The science teacher there is to teach you science from the world's perspective. They're not there to teach you the theological answers to how the world got here. Why do we expect the public school to do that? I'll never understand. And why do we feel so attacked? Oh no, they taught evolution. I feel attacked. Why? Why do you take it personally? Okay, pass the test. Get the A. Move on. You're not, you're not saying that you're denying what you believe. You're demonstrating that you understood what was taught. That's all you've got to do. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. I, I've, I've, always, I've tried to always give that perspective to anyone who asks me what they should do. It's the same way in seminary. I went to seminaries from every kind of theological background. You can. I went to dispensational seminaries. I went to covenant theology seminaries. I went to amillennial seminaries. I went to seminaries that were premillennial. I went to a Catholic, a, a Catholic university, learning Catholic theology. Guess what? I wasn't there always to argue my, I'm like, this is what they taught. This is what I'm going to do. I had to write papers from the all-mill position. I had to write papers from the pre-mill position. I had to write papers from a Catholic theological perspective. I had to write papers explaining the doctrine of justification from the writings of Thomas Aquinas. On and on and on and on and on and on. Just what, I'm just here to pass the subject. I'm not here to try to win a debate. That's, I, that's, I, I just don't understand that way of thinking. But I, I I love listening to what scientists are finding and discovering. I got I, I got I want to keep up with it. I want to learn it. I want to know what they say. But you know what? I'm gonna as a Christian, I'm just gonna go back to the Bible, and that's what I believe is what the Bible teaches. If science and the Bible one day magically meet up and go, whoa, whoa, we we agree one hundred percent, and nobody has to compromise anything. Praise God. I don't think that will ever happen. But if it does, great. I hope that explains my perspective. All right, email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great afternoon. I'll be back on the air shortly. God bless.